0: Hello and welcome to the Booksmarts podcast, where we talk about publishing data and technologies, and send you away with some insights that will help you sell more books. I'm your host, Joshua Talent. So this week on the Booksmarts podcast, I have the pleasure of talking with Brian O'Leary. Uh, Brian is the Executive Director of the Book Industry Study Group. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you taking some time. Uh, so. Just before we dive into some of the deeper conversation, uh, why don't you give people a little bit of a background on who you are, uh, your, your background in the publishing industry, and, uh, and what you're doing at BISG right now?
1: Well, it's kind of hard for me to get my arms around, but I've been working in publishing for 38 years, um, which uh, has been broken up into a variety of different things. I started actually in magazine production uh, for Time Inc. I worked on the weeklies for about 12 years uh, most, uh, directly on time magazine, but I also worked on people and, uh, the launch of entertainment weekly, which was a very fun gig. Mm Uh, after that, I spent three years working for a map and Atlas book publisher, uh, in New Jersey, and then became a consultant for book magazine and association publishers for about 18 years. Uh, and in 2016, uh, about four and a half years ago, I came to the book industry study group as its executive director. And, uh, We've been trying to make uh, a dent in the book industry ever since.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, a long time in, in the industry. So you're a perfect fit for that role in the uh, in BISG. So let's talk a little bit about BISG. So uh, can, for people who may not be familiar, can you give us the elevator pitch? Well, we're the supply chain organization, uh, which up
1: until about a year, year and a half ago uh, meant that people said, what? Um, <laughs> but now supply chains, particularly during the pandemic have become second nature to us. We're a horizontal organization, so our membership comes from across the industry. It's everybody from publishers and manufacturers through to wholesalers, distributors, retailers, libraries, and the industry partners who support them. Um, We try to solve problems that affect two or more parts of the industry. Uh, And our core topics are things like metadata, uh, rights, the supply chain, subject codes, which is the BISAC standard that we maintain, as well as workflow so we're we're kind of broadly based, we don't lobby on any um we, re- we really just try to solve problems
0: that's great, yeah, and obviously the industry itself is is very broad with a lot of different moving parts, so having one centralized um you know organization that can help bring people together and and keep communication lines open and cause uh you know bring about some changes is a really good thing, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So, okay. So we're, you know, obviously we could talk forever about BISG, but let's talk about the kind of the future of publishing. You know, you've been around for a long time. You've been in the industry for a long time. You've seen a lot of the uh, back and forth and the pros and cons and all the, you know, good and bad. Um, Obviously, I think both of us are very optimistic about the future. I think publishing has a long way, uh, a long way to go and a long, a long path in front of it. I'd love, love to hear your thoughts about where you see the industry uh, at right now, uh, what you see our opportunities are or struggles are, and kind of what you think the future is what the, the the big the big questions that are on your mind about the future.
1: Sure. so we're we're coming out of a year uh, largely dominated by the pandemic, in which book sales went up. I mean, some uh, depending on the segment that you're looking at, you know somewhere between ten and twenty five percent. So it was a pretty good year. for for book publishing overall. And I think if you look uh, historically, people are continuing to pay for book content in a way that is not necessarily true of other types of media. Um, And uh, in some cases, uh, you're seeing significant price uh, uh, inelasticity. So you see um, uh, Barack Obama's um, book that came out uh, last November, uh, was, was put in the marketplace at a price of $45. That's a, a pretty hefty price. It was heavily discounted in a lot of outlets, but still you're seeing a significant uh, willingness on the part of consumers to pay money for book content. That's really encouraging.
0: Yeah, and that's pretty different than what we see with HBO Max and all, all the other like subscription services in other media industries, where uh, you are paying for one thing, you know, one service and getting a lot of content out of it. In the publishing industry, it really is more focused on, like, "We're going to sell you a book," and that's uh, uh, that's its own independent thing.
1: Yeah, and if you think about uh, when when digital books were first uh, introduced in two thousand, well, they were they have a longer history in this, but when the Kindle was first introduced in tw- two thousand seven. Uh, There was concern that book publishing not have happened to it, what people perceived to have happened to the music business. Mm -hmm. Music business has had a long um, road to come back and it's still uh, not, it's maybe just about where to, where it was in 2000. uh, Whereas the book publishing business has maintained a relative stability in terms of total revenue uh, throughout that period of time. So that's an encouraging sign. But I, I think there are at least, uh, in my mind, three issues that are kind of tied together, in in uh, in one big bow. Which is, uh, it's a book publishing for all of its strengths is still a small industry. It's about, in terms of producer value, twenty five billion dollars. Uh, in terms of retail, it might be in the range of forty or forty five billion dollars. Uh, twenty five billion dollar industry is, uh, it's it's probably about one-seventh of the cash flow or the cash on hand that Apple has. Right. Um, so uh, it's, you know, when you look at, at Walmart or uh, Amazon in their annual sales, uh, you know, they're between $200 and $350 billion. So a $25 billion industry in that environment uh, is is relatively hard to sustain. We have limited resources. Uh, we have, it's relatively highly fragmented, particularly on the producer side, so publishers. Um, there is relative consolidation in the middle and uh, increasingly at retail, uh, and it's not really tech forward. Um, the, the business has evolved a lot. Um, most manuscripts and books are now created digitally first and then perhaps rendered to print, um, but it's not the most tech savvy business going, and it doesn't necessarily dedicate money at any level uh, to investing in technology in a way that makes it more competitive uh, going forward. So the question is how can we leverage uh, our collective strengths to solve those problems and become more more forward thinking?
0: So what do you think about that especially on the tech forward side of things because obviously in the book Smarts podcast we talk about technologies and publishing and how how those can impact positively the, the whole industry when you're thinking about how we need to move toward a more tech forward uh, perspective, what, what do you think needs to happen on that front?
1: Well, I, I'm a fan of standards, not for the sake of standards, but for reducing the cost of implementing new and different technology solutions. Uh, and I'm a fan, as you and I've talked about in, in other forms uh, of APIs and being able to make it easier to access and share information. Those aren't things that are native to book publishing right now. Um, and I think as a uh, somebody who works in an environment where you're uh, not necessarily trying to sell, but to trying to implement technology solutions uh, for the benefit of your customers. As you said, the, the most important measure is can this help us sell more books? Um, generally, we have a fair amount of customization that makes it harder to share solutions that help us m- sell more books. You know, pe- people are still operating a- as publishers and, to a lesser extent, manufacturers and distributors with a high degree of, of um, Customization and and uh, non-standard workflows that make it that make it hard to to save money or to
0: um,
1: take advantage of something that's new in in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, so standards allow those independent companies to work together without having to be in the same business organization, right? Yeah, everybody can everybody can be on the same standard and working within the same standard, and that helps everyone kind of uh, rising, rising tide lifts all yeah. ships approach.
1: Agreed. And, and you see some of the things that are outgrowth. So our, we have a non-standard approach to how we collect retail information and we depend upon companies like NPD book scan um, to be the intermediary there. And they're relatively good at reporting a cross section marketplace, but to get a full picture takes us generally um, two months from, for AAP to generate its snapshot from its members, and it's another six months before we'll get uh, from the end of a given year, so in this case, 2020, before we get the full picture for 2021. That's not a a healthy sign for the marketplace. That's a sign that uh, there are impediments to collecting and managing and, and, and analyzing information.
0: Okay, so we're a small industry, limited resources. What's the next big thing? What's another big topic that you are looking at and thinking about challenges for the future?
1: You know, we've spent a fair amount of time since I started in an area that I didn't really understand fully uh, before I came to BISG, and that's rights and rights transactions. The U.S. market is the single largest for uh, book sales in the world. Um, you know, it in terms of um, it bigger than China, although that in terms of units, uh, China is now producing more on an, uh, on an annual basis. But still, uh, we have the lion's share of the intellectual property, and that's been the case for uh, the better part of the 20, 20th and now 21st century. Um, we haven't done as good a job at um, managing and monetizing rights. Um, it, we're still working through marketplaces that are generally called London Book Fair and Frankfurt Book Fair. It's a lot of in-person and relationship-driven transactions. And I don't think that those will go away. That's still an important part of what the, how the big business operates and how deals get done, particularly larger deals. But there are lots of different rights transactions that could occur, particularly in emerging markets, that will continue to grow and, and for whom literacy will be uh, uh, significantly increased over the balance of the 21st century. Most projections indicate that we're going to be approaching uh, ninety-five to one hundred percent literacy worldwide by the end of the twenty-first century. Uh, we're probably in some markets uh, in the range of ten or twenty percent, uh, particularly if you look at um, Africa and some aspects of Asia. Um, going to be, there's going to be tremendous demand for content, and we are in a really good position to provide it. But we have, uh, but that's not going to be. Uh, an opportunity that we can take advantage of at scale if we're doing it only in in in-person transactions. So we've been working on a few things at BISG, but I think more generally the, the standards for communicating about rights need to be more readily available. And we need to create marketplaces that don't require you to travel to Frankfurt or to London or to the United States to meet somebody to acquire the rights. And, uh, there's a second piece of that puzzle, which is sometimes you want to acquire rights. You don't know the publisher. If you, Even if you know the publisher, you don't know who at the publisher to contact. We need to have a mechanism to be able to break that down and create transactions where both parties don't know each other.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And again, that's uh, looking back at that tech forward approach. You know, uh, the future of publishing requires advances in technology that uh, will help make those things happen. So it makes a lot of sense for publishers to be looking at not only what they can do individually, but also looking at the industry as a whole, thinking about the standards for uh, for that right state, and thinking about this, the the ways of of generating that information and and delivering it out where it needs to go.
1: And and there are a, there's a lot of variety in how rights are are both uh, bought and sold. And I don't I don't think the standards would necessarily collapse that. There, there probably will be more rather than fewer different types of deals in the future. But I I think that if we can make it simple, I mean, some of the things that we've been looking at are pie in the sky at this point, blockchain solutions as an example, maybe that's not the right solution for us, but it's essentially, we're looking at mechanisms to put people who otherwise don't trust one another and don't know one another into an environment where a deal can get done. Because that's the environment in which uh, I think we'll, we'll be able to both grow revenue for rights sales, which are typically between 2 and and 5% for a lot of publishers, to a much bigger share of the pie.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, we're still competing, like we were saying before, we're still competing with those other types of media uh, that are very large industries in their own. So making sure that content is available, but also making it available to those other industries, you know, the media industries that can turn a book into a into a movie or into a TV show or uh, or you know take advantage of things in serial ways and stuff like that. There's a lot of rights of, that could be available to expand the the you know the content that publishers are creating as content creators, expanding that into other ways and, and making more more profit for the the companies that are doing it.
1: Agreed. And the only other thing I'd throw in there that I think is a, a good argument for growing our ability to both offer and execute on rights transactions is that I think it's a potential uh, tool to combat piracy. Availability goes aw- a ways. But, um, there are other aspects of piracy that this won't help with. But I think that the when a book is not available in a given market, uh, that's a recipe for somebody making it available. Uh, and not not sending money back to the publisher and ultimately to the author. Uh, so we think that this is an, an opportunity as uh, emerging markets get the money to be able to invest in books and other reading materials that were there with what they need when they need it.
0: Yeah, that's great. Okay, so what's, what else are you thinking about? What's the other big thing that you're considering as, uh, as the big picture in the future?
1: Well, I've been trying to get my arms around what the role of the, the what the last mile looks like between book publishing and consumers. So, in specific, retailers and libraries. Now, retailers can be online as well as uh, uh, in bricks and mortar, in person. Um, but there's this uh, the the market has shifted quite a bit uh, for both retailing and libraries over the last decade. The growth of digital content has weakened or or challenged a lot of uh, both independent and chain bricks and mortar retailers, and they've had to reinvent some aspects of the business model. And libraries obviously are struggling, uh, some publishers more than others, but they're struggling to figure out how to budget for digital materials at a time when the pricing is pretty high. And sometimes the terms are relatively short, uh, a year and a half or two years, uh, or a certain number of of, uh, book circulations. So 26 is a, a, a number that's been used and and that changes where the model where uh, libraries had bought physical books stored them in in, in physical locations and lent them uh, in perpetuity until the book wore out um, now it's uh you can see a book that's particularly popular in digital form and you might need to buy it more than once even in a given year if you're lending it quite frequently um the uh so trying to figure out how to support those models and how to create effective relationships between publishers, libraries, and retailers is important. But I think as well, we don't really understand in the book business because it is a uh, fundamentally a trade business uh, for for retail. uh, We don't understand how books are found, evaluated and purchased. Uh, So uh, in effect, the attribution model for retailing uh, doesn't really tell you very easily the, about the person, you know, the Joshua Talent who walks into a bookstore, sees something, later buys online, later borrows in the library. Maybe becomes a lifelong uh, fan of a particular series because uh, he found that book first in the library. And trying to get at some of that data so that we better understand what's happening in the ecosystem, I think is going to be critically important.
0: Yeah, and that's changing constantly too. I mean, this past year, uh, you know, all the all the move to online sales because of shutdowns. Had an impact on that discoverability and on you know on which books were being discovered as a result. So yeah, I think that's uh, that's obviously going to be a, a continually changing animal in the future as well.
1: Yeah, we were, we participated. We were uh, a funder for an immersive reading project that Portland State University conducted. Uh, Kathy Behrens and Rachel Norda uh, at Portland State did the work. Uh, it was a, a a panorama project over Umbrella, and we were just a participant. And that, I, I'm not prepared today to go into great detail, but one of the things that was really compelling to me about it was that uh, book consumers are also consumers of many other types of media. So they're gamers, uh, they're television addicts, uh, they're, they watch um, cable news, et cetera. They, they do a variety of other things. And sometimes they multitask. So they're watching uh, a movie while they're reading a book. I don't know how you do it, <laughs> but people regularly reported that they were, uh, very knowledgeable in that regard. Um, we think that that's going to become a longitudinal study. We'll continue to support it over time. But that's just one aspect of trying to understand. Uh, and that's really at a at a descriptive level. You know, we're in, surveying people and they're providing information on what they're doing. We still aren't getting at the level of attribution where we can say, okay, somebody walked into a bookstore and bought the book because they heard about it through a video game or they saw a promotion uh, in a newspaper or they read a review. Those kinds of things are tough to read right now and developing this and understanding how to get at that data is something that an organization like BISG could fund, but so too could the industry more broadly.
0: Yeah, that'll be really helpful being able to see a little bit more about the uh, the impact that those different channels have on the uh, on the actual sales and where people are going.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's also a really immersive piece that we people who buy books tend to buy a lot of books i mean and and those they account for a significant share of that that increase in a given year they also signif- account for a significant share uh in every year uh and i'm not sure that we have a, a really good way of reaching out to them and supporting them on an ongoing basis and maybe that's okay maybe that's done through retail outlets through libraries through other institutions that we that we support in a, in a trade environment, but, uh, it's risky when you're, when your supply chain is changing. And, and as you indicated just in the last year, we've seen really big shifts. If you don't understand what cause and effect is, you could easily find something weakened or, or even eliminated that's critical to the overall, uh, discovery and consumption of books.
0: Yeah. All right, Brian. We're out of time. I appreciate you taking a few minutes and chatting about these things. I, I think you made some really important points, and hopefully, our listeners will uh, will walk away with some some thoughts of their own about this. You know, we we are looking at a, a need in the future for a more tech forward publishing industry. Uh, digging out of that hole is going to be very important. You know, growing rights and the importance of rights, and figuring out standards and approaches to uh, to handling right information and making sure publishers are able to engage with that to uh, to make a bigger impact on the market. And, you know, like you were just saying, you know, the last mile getting into, uh, understanding more about how consumers are finding books, what they're doing in in that process and, and the impact of libraries and retail and online and all the other aspects of this and being able to make decisions based on, uh, based on those things. I think all of this is really important.
1: Well, if, if, if there wasn't something to do, we'd all be bored.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's very true. All right. Thanks a lot. And uh, thank you for listening to the Book Smarts podcast. Uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you again in a couple of weeks uh, with our next episode.